if you want to sustain your journey, then you want to make sure you're creating long lasting, impactful content while also thinking strategically. So you have to think strategically to create that type of content. And so by strategy, let me approach this by the corporate perspective. It comes down to understanding the goals of a company and how you fit into them. So how is what you're creating aligning with the desired outputs and inputs of the business? What does success look like in relation to how your content is received? Welcome to Latinx in Power, a podcast hosted by Thaisa Fernandes. When it comes to achieving success in the world of business, there's nothing more vital than supercharging your revenue. Sales professionals do more than just close deals. They timelessly chase leads, forecast growth, generate insightful reports, manage contacts, curate compelling content, and crush those ever-important numbers. The tasks on their plate seems never-ending. As we gear up for the fourth quarter, is the perfect time to explore a superior path to success. This journey starts with the all-new HubSpot Sales Hub. With HubSpot Sales Hub, you unlock a seamlessly integrated platform where your data, tools, and teams seamlessly converge, forging a sophisticated and highly adaptable workspace that is an absolute joy to work with. It is the place where you can effortlessly convert potential leads into active pipelines and bring deals to fruition, all from Unified Hub. Plus, sequences and smooth workflows help reps streamline tasks and spend more time on what they do best, connecting with customers. With Sales Hub, closing deals is no big deal. Try it yourself at hubspot.com sales. Welcome to Latinx Empower. Today we are talking with Andrea Marquez. Andrea is an award-winning Mexican-American storyteller. She's currently on a mission to inspire the next generation of entrepreneurs as a producer and host of This Is Small Business, an Amazon podcast. I'm so excited with this conversation. Welcome, Andrea. Hi, Taiza. Thank you so much for having me. In this episode, Andrea will share her wisdom and experiences serving as a source of motivation and guidance for creative professionals. She will offer insights on how to navigate the ever-changing business landscape successfully. I'm very excited about this conversation. I think one of my favorite topics is creativity and strategy. So that's really, really cool. And the question that I usually like to start What does it mean to be a Latina for you? I think I talk a lot about this with my Latinx friends. And one way I would describe this is probably the fact that we always seem to find each other. You can be on the other side of the world and you will find other Latinos because it brings this sense of pride and home and you feel seen and understood immediately. And to me, being a Latina is being part of something that there's so much flavor and color. And we often ask ourselves, so what makes you Latinx? And is it the language? Is it your parents, where they were born? Is it about how you were raised? And I concluded 
that the reason I feel connected to the Latinx community is because I believe that we're accepting of this idea that if you want to be part of the community and you identify as Latinx, then you are. Obviously, nothing is perfect. I can't make like a blanket statement for all of Latinos, for all of Latinx everywhere. And obviously, my perspective also comes from this privileged point of view, but at least that is the experience I've had so far. And also a big reason why I produced a podcast in the past called Latinx. And the way I described that podcast was that it was about having conversations about being part of the Latinx community, no matter who you are, even if you didn't identify as Latinx yourself. And so to me, being a Latina is about connection, discovery, sabor, <laughs> and acceptance. Incredible. I love that. And I love what you said about finding each other. I couldn't agree more. I don't know what happens. We find each other. Sometimes we just look at someone and we know, we know. Mm, and it's yeah. just, it's hard to even explain. And it's so interesting because also in this season, I have been talking with, always talking with a lot of folks from Latin America. But one of my goals is to interview at least one person from each Latin America country. And I have been talking with folks from the Caribbean and they are like, oh, we are part of Latin America, but at the same time, we don't feel that we are Latinas, Latinos, Latinas, Latinx. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we all feel so connected, right? With different yeah. flavors, for sure. But it's just so interesting how, I don't know, we connect with each other. So I love what you said. Yeah, absolutely. And regardless of those differences in cultural backgrounds, right? Because even you and I have probably very, very, very different. We're both Latinas, but we're very different points of view, perspectives, and yet there's that shared sense of community, right? So it's something that is always hopefully going to stay with me, that sense of home and pride, regardless of where I am in my life. Incredible. And can you tell us how did everything start? How did everything start? Well, I was born, just kidding. So that's a large question, but I'm going to focus very much on what we're talking about today, which is how I got to the career I'm in today. And so it hasn't been very long, actually. I started working in production around 10 years ago, and that took me through all types of career paths. And if you're in the production world, you probably understand completely what I'm saying, where you have all types of odd jobs, you're doing a little bit of everything. But the one constant I did was storytelling across all jobs. And I've always loved storytelling in all types of ways, be it writing, film, theater, audio, etc. And my first real adult girl job was actually at A&E Networks. I was right out of undergrad. And I think that job was the first time I was taught to think creatively in the corporate world which I think gives you a different perspective than being a creative as a freelancer or in an agency, because I've also worked at an agency and I've also been a creative as a freelancer. And in short, I think that it forces you to be a balance of minds, which means that you have to create while still keeping all of these business elements in mind. And when it comes to working with creatives, I think it's rare to find those that can manage both while being a creative thinker and doer. So I attribute a large part of my career journey to being able to manage both of these things. And that all comes back to being a border child, being a Latina that was born at the border and straddling two lives. Because since I was little, I, you know, very quickly understood that I had to be able to speak those two languages, understand the two cultures. And I feel like that's what navigating the corporate world as a creative is because you are speaking two languages and adapting to two cultures. 
And there's this misconception that as a creative, you really need to protect your decisions and your ideas. But honestly, at this point, I'd say that some of the best ideas or work that I've seen comes from this mutual understanding and respect from both parties, be it, you know, whatever you want to call it, the corporate people or world and the creatives. And so with that, all of that and journey and learning brought me to where I am today, which is at Amazon, I'm a senior story producer where I focus primarily on podcast programming. And I host two podcasts, one of them being This Is Small Business and its spinoff, Next Generation. Incredible. I love that you started to talk more about this creativity and strategy part. I couldn't agree more. It's very interesting. I'm a former designer and I work a lot with like business development. And it's interesting how to me now it's very natural to talk about the design, more artistic side of things, but also marrying this with business. Mm -hmm. And I understand that for a lot of people, this might not come naturally. And it's so interesting to think more about it and to talk about it as well. So I wanted to ask you, how do you define the intersection of creativity and strategy and why it is essential in today's business landscape? So as I mentioned before, I think it's rare to find people who understand this duality and to be able to execute on it. But it's an incredibly important life skill that I advise all younger professionals or students to embrace. And if I had to define this intersection of creativity and strategy, I'd probably say Taylor Swift. And I mean, if we think about it, if we really think about it, a great creative who definitely thinks strategically to an impressive degree is Taylor Swift. And in the corporate world, she would be a unicorn. I mean, in the world world, she is a unicorn, right? But if there's one thing that creatives should do is work on their business acumen. And I think nowadays people understand that much more, which is why all talent and all creatives are trying to monetize their content, which is great. But I also think that it's it should be more than that because there's a difference between long-lasting creative and creative for a quick buck. Both are okay. I'm not judging either. But if you want to sustain your journey, then you want to make sure you're creating long-lasting impactful content while also thinking strategically. So you have to think strategically to create that type of content. And so by strategy, let me approach this by the corporate perspective. It comes down to understanding the goals of a company and how you fit into them. So how is what you're creating aligning with the desired outputs and inputs of the business? What does success look like in relation to how your content is received? How will you know which parts of your content did or didn't work so you can keep iterating on it without feeling a massive hit at your core if it's not a success? Because as creatives, we're always very tied to the work we do. And how do you maintain a mentality of testing and learning and doing it fast? And that's a key thing, doing it fast, especially with how things are moving today. So those are all questions that come when approaching creating from a strategic perspective. And I do believe that one cannot live without the other. And one last thing I'll say to this is I've seen some creatives say that you should just create work no matter who will like it or not. As long as you like it and you share with the world or don't share it, that's enough. I think there's some truth to that, but they're missing the part of having a livelihood. I don't think it's possible to think like that anymore because... Right now, we have access to too much content at once to be able to assume that just because we put something out there in the world, because we like it, then that's enough. And the truth is, it's not enough. You have to sometimes make those quote unquote 
boring decisions that will ultimately help you with your not boring creative. One thing that I was thinking is that, I don't know, I think for creatives, it's it's a very interesting, right? Because now what you create can go to a lot more audiences and it's mm-hmm. incredible. You can achieve a lot more than we used in the past. But at the same time, it's so, as you said, it's so overwhelming because we have all different tools, different platforms, they all change. And you're like, oh, where should I go? I have no idea. And it might be daunting for creatives, like all these new technologies. And I wanted to ask you, like your insights, how do you encourage creative professionals to embrace technology and leverage it to their advantage? I think a lot of times it's interesting, right? For example, AI. We are all talking about AI now. A lot of people complaining about it and hating it and a lot of different opinions. But at the same time, it's just like, it's not like we are going to be able to change things or like, oh, we are not using AI. No, we are for sure. But Maybe we need to figure out a way to use it in your favor or something that is aligned with you. But that's hard. I feel like sometimes people might have this feeling that, oh, I'm behind because every day there's like 100,000 new things. Great question. As you mentioned, we have access to many resources now, right? And so the first thing I think all creatives should do, and it sounds a bit silly and a bit simple, but I've worked with enough creatives at this point to know that this doesn't happen as often as it should, which is researching before you start creating. And I know it sounds super annoying because it might feel like you're restricting your creative mind, but in the long run, it's tied to making impactful work. And research can be as simple as doing some competitive market research to see what other people are doing or leveraging user testing to understand how your audiences are connecting or resonating with your work, right? So embracing everything that's out there and really doing the work before you even start creating anything is super important. And when we think about AI, and it does come up often nowadays, because especially on TikTok, I'm seeing how a lot of these creatives are very scared because Photoshop is basically, you don't need a human to do anything anymore, supposedly. Or, you know, people are claiming that you don't even need writers anymore, as we've seen with the writer strike, right? I've seen how AI has helped creatives in many ways, you know, and yes, it could help you with some photoshopping, some creation of quick content. And it also helps you work faster. And it forces you to think harder and figure out other solutions to problems. However, the creativity that comes from the human experience can never be replaced. Never, not even with AI. And so obviously there's this big argument right now that is happening between huge companies and creatives. And we'll see how that pans out. However, the creative will always come from us humans, right? So thinking about it from this corporate perspective, I think it's also worthwhile to understand the tools of your company and how you function within it. So for example, at Amazon, I'm in a creative role and I'm not an expert by no means at every inch of how the company operates. And to me, it's hilarious because as soon as I say I work at Amazon, people assume I understand why their package is late. People assume I understand why certain decisions are being taken and prime. And and that is just not how it works. It's too much for one person to handle, right? And to understand. However, I do do the work specifically in the podcasting area, but I do do the work of understanding how customers engage with the Amazon tools and resources 
to then for myself be able to tell better stories and understand the perspective of the customer that we're serving. So it's not my job and I don't need to know all of it. But as a creative, I think you should force yourself to develop a holistic approach to the work you do, especially when it's tied to a larger mission or vision of a company. So obviously, we don't know how the world will be tomorrow or the next day. But as of today, yes, we're moving fast. As a creative, I think you have to adopt this natural feeling of constantly wanting to learn and change because if you don't, then you're going to be held back. And that is just the natural way of being things. But that is also okay. You can keep up. That is what creativity is. And I firmly believe that when you're creative in one area, all of the other creative areas open up to you as well, as long as you're willing to do the work for it. Incredible. I love that people ask you about their packages. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And how to sell on Amazon. Like, I get a lot of questions assuming I just like every topic about Amazon. I just know it all. That's not how it works. But <laughs> I don't think that's what, how it works for anyone at any company. It's funny because when I was at Twitter, I used to receive a lot of messages of people asking to be verified. I guess people who still work at Twitter, they don't have this issue anymore, right? You just need to pay, which is interesting. <laughs> but I love your overview. And I think we are living very interesting times because now we have so many resources, a lot of things happening. And it feels like the challenge, especially for creative folks, is to how do you stay relevant in with all the things that are happening, because as you said, the human aspect of it is never going away. But at the same time, how do you steal your role, whatever you are doing is still relevant in despite of us having all those different tools and how you can use those tools to optimize your work or be, do better research or whatever you need to achieve, like use them instead of like then uh, replacing you, right? And it's just so interesting and scary and excited. I don't know how you feel about it. I will tell you just with you saying that it brings up a lot of things and this is not going to sound super this is a reality check i will say this taylor swift is one example of someone who definitely thinks way way ahead of time obviously as we've all known where she plans three years ahead and all of these good things but she has the power the financial power and the brand power of who she is to be able to dictate where trends are going. The rest of us mortals do not have that power, okay? And so it is very difficult to plan three years ahead when you don't have the power to say what's going to be relevant in three years, right? So with that, and also the following she has, like at this point, she could be doing many things and her fans will listen to the music, right? Will listen if she takes a detour into hard metal, we're going to listen to whatever Taylor Swift sings in hard metal or whatever. For us who are mortals, I think that we're seeing time and time again, time and time and again, that as long as you have a very clear why behind what you do, it doesn't have to be perfect. And that goes across the board for a lot of brands, for people, for independent creators, for anybody. It does not have to be perfect as long as there's a strong why and you've thought about it and you've researched of what every action you're taking means and why you're taking it. And I think that if you see right now the content creators that are standing out among the huge, huge, huge sea of so many content creators, it's because they stay true to who they are and release the content that feels real for them without letting it be perfect. But at the same time, thinking two steps ahead 
not three years, but just two steps ahead of how certain pieces of content will resonate, right? So there has to be a balance. It is very hard. I agree. And there is that little added level of just luck. A lot of it does have to do that. And I think creatives should know that as well. And at this point, it's like inevitable. Like TikTok showed us that as well. Who stands out Who versus who doesn't? Well, a lot of it will have to do with the right timing. And you can't really predict or forecast that, at least as a long lasting impact, right? So, and that's okay. You know, that's okay. There's many ways to still make a living without having this huge, huge following or anything like that. And we've seen that. So as long as, again, you're willing to do the work behind it, I think that you would be perfectly fine. And the people who think otherwise and that everything is luck, it's probably because there's probably a little bit of the work that scares them and they're not willing to go all the way in. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting point. I wanted to share with you a podcast called DTC Pod. It's all about direct-to-consumer DTC world, and I've been loving it, and I thought you were going to like it as well. Ramon and Blaine are the hosts, and they do it as part of the HubSpot podcast network, where they cover everything you need to know about running an online store or a DTC brand. In DTC Pod, Ramon and Blaine chat with founders, marketers, platform folks, content creators, and marketing agencies. They get into building your brand, naming social media, working with influencers, making your website convert better, rocking Facebook ads, keeping up with consumer trends and sending emails that actually work. If you are into the stories behind your favorite brands or you are in the DTC and D2C game or just curious about it, this podcast is right up your alley. You will pick up some interesting insights for sure and I'd love for you to hear and share with me what your thoughts are. The storytelling part, it's something very fascinating to me. I think I learned more about the power of it only after I moved to the US. I think it was something that I never, I don't know, maybe paid much attention or maybe I wasn't aware of it. I don't know. And I wanted to ask you, in your opinion, how can storytelling be used to foster innovation within a company and inspire employees to think creatively and also contribute with like unique ideas. You mentioned in the beginning the difference between being creative in different spaces, right? Being creative in corporate versus your personal life or personal projects. But how storytelling can be used? I think storytelling within a company, at least I can say, forces everyone to think outside of numbers, outside of themselves, and reminds them to go back to the customer. Because storytelling reminds us all that we're human. Storytelling specifically, like that's why it's created. We're all human. We all have decades and centuries of stories to tell. And there's a mission behind every action we take. And it's a good great way, and this is connected to what I just mentioned, but it's a good way of grounding us behind the why of what we're doing. And I think this goes both ways, both storytelling within the company as in its employees, but also outside of the company by telling customer stories. So when doing this, and this is a full circle moment for this conversation we've had, but it's a communal feeling of like, hey, I have a story to tell too. No matter how small it may seem to you, you never know if that might be a life-changing trigger for somebody else. And you also learn through storytelling. 
and it opens up other creative worlds for people. So in my opinion, storytelling is what makes a company better and keeps it going. And I guess the same can be said about society. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And one thing that I wanted to talk more, I'm very passionate about those two areas, uh, creativity, strategy. You talk a lot about different things people, they should keep in mind. And mm -hmm. I was just wondering for folks who feel that they have gaps between those two areas, you mentioned about doing research, understanding your competitors, the market, what is happening, also improving your business knowledge, you feel we have this gap. What are the maybe five things or you should keep in mind that you should do and you should incorporate to your routine? Oh my God, by you saying it, I just realized I don't want to make creativity sound like this like super square, like difficult thing that you have to learn business. And like, I just want to also make sure before I say what I'm about to say that creativity you know, the world is your oyster, like everything is possible beyond even the world. So like, I just want to make sure I don't dull people's like creative people's worlds and visions, because being a creative and a storyteller is such a beautiful thing to be. This is just trying to see it from a very like businessy, corporate -y perspective. But yeah. obviously, there are many perspectives to being a creative. Just want to point that out. But yes, great question. Please. I wanted to reinforce that maybe be like for folks who can like have five things they should keep in mind. And I think this is hard because of that. I wanted to talk more about that. This is definitely hard and it's not to be squared or anything. It's just because I feel a lot of really, really talented people, creative, amazing people, they struggle a lot because they cannot tie to the business side of things. That is sometimes might sound boring to them, but it's actually not boring at all. I think it's just like different, right? But if you can tie those things, you're just like almost non-stoppable. So I think this is my thinking behind. It's like, I know that it's not a formula. It's not meant to be boring, but just things people should consider. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And it's not even boring. I think if you're in a creative rut is what we call it. But like if you feel that you've hit some sort of wall as a creative just in general, I would say do a little deviate just for two seconds. Go and do something that is not in, you know, what would be considered, quote unquote, the creative world, the creative industry. Like go do a business webinar of some kind. Go do a finance class, a legal class, like just something else that doesn't force you to think with that side of your mind, which actually that's a myth. But anyways, that doesn't force you to think creatively like that. The things I do at least, and I tell this to everyone, and I'm going to sound like a broken record for my friends if they listen to this, but I read quite a lot. And so that's probably the first thing I would tell people, like just read books, all books, any type of book, anything that calls to you. It doesn't even fiction, nonfiction, a playbook of some sorts, whatever. And depending on your career path, this I stand by what I'm about to say. Depending on any career path you dream about succeeding in, be it film, being audio, be it finance, whatever it is, whatever profession you choose in your life, do your homework. Be 100% obsessed, all in, don't do anything halfway. So if there's something that for me has been helpful in all of my life and all of my career and in industry is that I get really obsessive about whatever it is I'm doing. So before podcasting, I had no idea what podcasting was really, what it entailed, what podcasts were out there, etc. As soon as I chose to do podcasting, just as a side thing, but I knew that there was an itch there, I did 
all of it. I read all the books on podcasting. I listened to all the greatest podcasts, all the newest podcasts, took podcasting webinars. I couldn't stop thinking about it and talking about it. And it just became this obsessive thing. And so that is why I think anyone who wants to be successful or do well in some sort of industry, there's no way you will if you don't become obsessive about it. And you can become obsessive about a lot of things, right? So it doesn't matter if podcasting is one season and then you let it go and then you decide to do something else. As long as you decide to do it all in, I think is super important. And then just the other very important point I would say when it comes to resources that help you in your journey I don't know if this would be classified as a resource, but knowing how to network, like finding time to speak to people who you admire, even if this is like 15 minutes, knowing how to approach the right person at the right time is super invaluable. And it's a skill that can make the biggest difference in your success. I love that. I love that. And you started my next question. Do you have any other resource you would like to share with us? Apart from reading, obviously listening to podcasts, those are really good if you don't like reading and just the audio of it. And also there's audiobooks of everything nowadays too, if you're just not into sitting down and reading. So I tell this to some of my friends who sometimes get very anxious about what they're doing. If you don't like the job you're in right now and you don't feel like you're growing, that is an opportunity. That is an opportunity to be like, okay, I already have a handle of this, what I'm doing here. I don't love it. Go take a free course somewhere. There's so many free courses out there for something else. Go talk to another person, meet them like on LinkedIn just to see what it's like to be working somewhere else. Like push yourself to get uncomfortable because I think people forget that sometimes where there's that discomfort is where that there's lies that opportunity. So, and I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Sometimes you're like, but I don't want to be a boss lady. I just want to cruise and be fine with that. And girl, listen, me too. Like, I don't want to be boss lading all the time. Like I sometimes I'm like, why did I say yes to this? Why am I doing this? It's so much work. I get it. And that's okay too. I'm just saying specifically for the people who are stuck, who want to get out of some part of their life where they're not feeling 100% clear, that is what I think you should be doing. You should be a little bit uncomfortable, get to that discomfort. You'll find a light at the end of the tunnel. And if you're okay with just passively, you know, living life and doing the bare minimum and then go living the best with your friends, that's totally okay too. Okay. I just want to make sure I'm not advocating for either or. Yeah. I love that. I love it. And it's so interesting because I think one thing that it's very scary, right? Approach someone that you don't know. But at the same time, I think we quite often forget how generals people are, like human beings are. They can be really bad, but most of the time, I think they're very nice, right? So they genuinely want to help each other. I feel like our community is just so incredible. The very approachable. So it's nice. It's always nice. I think there's always something good out of it. You learn something, you remember a thing that you used to love to do and you totally forgot about it. There's always something interesting. So I love that. And Andrea, I'm really enjoying our conversation. I want to thank you again for thank your you. time. We are getting to the end of this episode. So I want to leave the last minutes for you to share anything you want to share. Also where people can find you. And if you want to give us an overview, talk a little bit more about your two podcasts. I think it would be awesome too. And we are going to link to the description of this episode, everything you're going to share. Awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that. And thank you for having me. And yes, so as my final note... Just to bring it full circle, it would be leverage your Latinx community if you're part of the Latinx community. And if you're not, we're a pretty 
cool bunch. Um, we're generally, as you mentioned, a very generous, nice person. Um, I'm also a person that I try my best to answer all messages. Sometimes they do get overwhelming, but if I don't answer, it's not because I don't want to. It really sometimes is because I open, I get overwhelmed, but I will get to it eventually. I do, even though it takes me a while sometimes. Um, but if you see me ever in person and I've had this experience in a lot of networking events, I'm always free for a chat. And I've found this the other way around too. When I talk to people in person and I see them, even when I reach out, people are so kind, usually, usually can't say a blanket statement. So the worst you can get is a no, honestly. Yeah. Or like, Don't I'm busy, I cannot talk right now, which is totally fine too, right? Yeah. Like the worst you can get is either being ignored or a no, you know, like it's fine. It's fine. That's the worst case scenario. So just go for it. And you can find me on Instagram or LinkedIn at Andrea M. Here, which is usually my two main places. But I also have a website, andreamarquezhere.com. And you can listen to This Is Small Business wherever you get your podcasts. And for those of you that don't know, This Is Small Business and Next Generation. So This Is Small Business interviews small business owners of all kinds from the United States to learn about their challenges as a small business owner and how they overcome that. And we also invite industry experts to give us their point of view. So if you are someone who is thinking of starting their own business or right at the beginning of starting their own business, this is the type of podcast for you, very specifically for early stage entrepreneurs. And Next Generation is actually a mini series, very fun. I recommend it to anyone who's thinking about pitching or setting up their business in a way that attracts investors. So the mini series follows four teams as they compete at the Rice University Business Plan Competition. And you get to hear the behind the scenes of what they're worried about, how they're feeling before the competition, the three competition days. And then we check back in with them around three weeks after the competition. And we get to see who wins up to $3 million for investment for their business. So it's eight episodes, a mini series. I co-hosted it with a wonderful person who is a badass business owner themselves. Their name is Mitch. And I really hope that if anyone is listening to this, whoever, please try it out. It is such a fun little mini series, hoping that we can do something similar again next year. Awesome. Thank you so much. That's it for today, everyone. Thank you so much for your time. I would love to hear your thoughts about the podcast and the episodes. Please message us with any insight, any feedback you might have. And also guest suggestions. Message us in your favorite social media platform. We are in all social platforms. And if you want to write us in a review, we will love that. Feel free to write us in a review on Apple Podcasts, Audible, Amazon or any other streaming that you like. Thank you.